0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to our UFC 261 post show. I'm John Pollock, along with the Lord of the Cord, my good personal friend, Phil Chairtalk. Phil, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing tremendous, John. We're here uh, much earlier than we anticipated after what was one of the wildest cards in UFC memory. And that's a statement. I would say one of the um, cards that I think
0: will stand out in UFC history. I don't think that's uh, overstating things about tonight, just given the, uh, I mean, just the the nature of how this card was promoted with fans being back, three championship fights, the nature in which they finished, um, some incredible moments, some heartbreaking ones as well. I totally believe this will be a card that will be looked back upon just for its... I don't even want to say significance, but one that I, I think will be remembered for an extremely long amount of time.
1: Yeah, I mean, last year uh, at this time, there was the first card of the pandemic uh, in front. Well, I guess it was the second one after they took a break from the Brazil event, and that was a wild event. Um, but this, this, yeah, this is. It's it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. There were so many things that happened. Uh, throughout the evening and then of course the whole story of the event itself and the crowd which played such a factor in this event it was uh yeah something to behold
0: what did you think about the overall uh presentation tonight with fans being back and how much that just changed what you've been used to for the past year of mma
1: it was i mean i didn't the visual of it didn't really strike me. Some people were commenting that they felt it was uncomfortable seeing people so close together in the stands without masks, and I understand that. Um, yeah, but I was—I just—it was more just the energy of the crowd, how hot they were, and how involved they were in so many of the fights. That uh, was kind of the mind-blowing part of it. Yeah, when it when it hit its crescendo, it was
0: that that roar that I can't imagine what it was like being in the arena for some of those moments throughout the night. I mean, had had Jorge Masvidal won this fight, uh, I I don't know what the decibel level would have been like in the Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena, but it would have been uh, just unbelievable uh, because when he got to his feet after that initial takedown, I mean you would have thought this guy had just scored a knockout with the way this crowd reacted.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, they were, I mean, th- this was the main event. He was their guy. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, it, it had built up throughout the night as well. And, uh, they were so hot. It, yeah. It, it was pretty, uh, spectacular, uh, this, uh, the energy that they put out.
0: So let me put you into the state of Florida, Phil. What would have been your what would have been your deciding factors uh, for a card this big? And just put yourself into the shoes of fans that that went to this show. Like, what would have been uh, where where you would be weighing whether you were going to be going to buy a ticket or just watch this on pay per view? That's
1: that's a really tough dis. Question, John. Uh, I hadn't really thought about it like that. Um, That's why I'm putting did, you on the spot, Phil. Yeah. I had thought about it just from, you know, their perspective, like it, it, people paying attention to, you know, the <laughs> Discord and, and our chat. You know, things aren't going so great in Ontario lately. Um, and, uh, you know, the U.S. has a very accelerated vaccine program. And I, I can't really comment on what another jurisdiction really dis- chooses to do in terms of the events. For me, I don't feel I would be comfortable going to that event, even if I were vaccinated right now. Um, Mask, no mask, uh, social distancing, no social distancing. It's just right now, my comfort level is at home watching these events. Um, But for the fans in attendance who um, make that choice and feel safe, you know, no sweat on them. And um, you know, I am glad that there at least the choice is out there for people. Um, you know, we're in a tough spot right now. We're in lockdown, and so uh, you know, it's it, it's a it's a difficult sort of thing to wrap my head around uh, entirely.
0: Yeah, they did have, um, you know, there there you did need to fill out a like, go go through, like, uh the standard, like, questionnaire survey that I think is going to be um, bare minimum if for people going to events in the future. Uh, and then they were distributing masks for free, but as Dana White had stated, it was up to you if you want to watch uh, or wear a mask or not. But that was, you know, um, a big thing focused upon this show and, and coming out of it a- as well. Hopefully this was done as safely as possible. But it's, you know, it, it does seem like this is not going to be a case of the UFC taking any steps back. It seems like they are pushing ahead full, full force. And I think that this will be the norm for pay-per-views. And I think it's only a matter of time, Phil, before all of their events are in front of fans. Like That seems to be the direction that, that live events and sports especially are, are going in.
1: Yeah. I mean, the trends are, are, are good. I mean, even in our dire situation here, uh, the, the government put out some information that if we get people vaccinated to a certain point, that by the summer, certain health restrictions could be lifted. So, and, uh, now for us, sports isn't one of those, but again, it's, you know, it's different in, uh, America and, and they seem to be okay with, uh, the stress that it puts on. Uh, their system and, and they're, uh, vaccinating aggressively. And yeah, I, I see as long as there's gonna be, um, American jurisdictions where they, they're gonna let the UFC put on full events, then the UFC is gonna be putting on, uh, packed cards, uh, on pay per view. So tonight's card, when I was looking at it this afternoon, I was
0: I was looking forward to this card quite a lot. Like I thought there was a lot uh beyond just the, the championship fights, there were a lot of intriguing matchups on tonight's card. I thought there was absolutely no prayer that I would be talking with you, Phil, until probably closer to one forty five in the morning. And here we are at twelve thirty going live. I am stunned.
1: Well, I mean, thankfully, it's starting. It, we started early because uh, we have so much to talk about. The show could run forever. That's that's a sales pitch for those listening. Yes.
0: Well, we're going to get into uh, all of the uh, the championship fights, and I think we start right from the top, and that was Kamaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal, the rematch from last July. Which, uh, for those that forget, it was. Uh, Jorge Masvidal stepping in on six days notice and that was kind of the story coming out of this was well what could Masvidal do with an, uh, with a full fight camp? I think many would say probably not anything different from the outcome of the first fight but this was a very different fight Phil because in this one uh, Kamaru Usman put such a stamp on this uh, two-fight rivalry. Um, the first round we saw Masvidal coming out with low kicks but it was Usman uh, landing with a right hand, Masvidal did go for the, the flying knee, but that kind of set up Usman for the takedown. And as I mentioned earlier, when Masvidal finally got up off the ground, uh, this place exploded. And Usman continues with his jab. He was pretty effective with that. And the second round begins, and Usman is continuing with his strikes, and Masvidal just giving him this smile, like he's not selling any of this. And with that, Usman proceeds to throw one of the most violent right hands you have ever seen that just sent Jorge Masvidal onto another planet. He goes down, and somehow we get five more hammer fists from Kamaru Usman. This one was completely done before Masvidal even hit the ground. A minute, two seconds of round number two, Kamaru Usman, with, I think, you know, not in the same level of, um, you know, quick fashion, but this was what Jorge Masvidal's uh, highlight reel of Ben Askren was. This was for Kamaru Usman's career. This will be the highlight reel moment that is replayed in every single commercial for every Kamaru Usman fight from now until the end of time.
1: Absolutely. I mean, not, I mean, first of all, like you described, it was just an incredible highlight visually. Uh, The opponent, someone Who, um, you know, even though you know he hasn't had the best record, has always been durable. Never been finished like this uh, before, and yeah, just the nature of the event, uh, how popular Masvidal is, how big this event was. It will definitely be, uh, as you said, a highlight that we will see over and over again throughout uh, what hopefully is a pretty long career, because he has the potential to set some records here that uh, could be untouchable.
0: Yeah. I mean, Usman was booed heavily coming out. I mean, this was, um, completely, uh, Jorge Masvidal audience in Florida, uh, after the fight though, it was, you know, Kamaru Usman, uh, he had his, his father who was, uh, his father, uh, there's this great ESPN feature, um, T- talking about uh, Kamaru Usman this week and profiling him. And his father was attending. Uh, this was his first fight that he had ever attended, seeing his son. He had been in prison for a number of years. And so he's in the, in the cage, along with uh, Usman's mother. He's wearing the championship. And then Usman, uh, very respectful of Masvidal, stating that, you know, you pushed me to get better. And they they really just uh, buried whatever animosity there was that I'm, I'm sure a lot of it was the fact Listen, that that fight drew tremendously well back in July, and I think that had a big factor to play of uh, building up this rematch, and I think both understood um, headlining this show. But uh, Masvidal was interviewed and gave no excuses, said he was the better man tonight. I got beat, and I'll be fine.
1: And uh, I think he will be i mean he's 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 set up his uh, bare knuckle boxing promotion uh for down the line after his uh career's over, and there's still lots of great fights for him out there, just uh, not with kamar Usman um but uh yeah,
0: and that brings up i mean the question we we always go to after after something like this um you know your opponents that you have out there it's to me, there's the logical contenders, which would be, you know, Leon Edwards is going to be fighting in three weeks against Nate Diaz. You have Steven Thompson, who to me is is still uh, in the mix. And then you have just your wild card options. Like if, if Nate Diaz were ever to win uh, next month, I think this guy would jump all of the lines because they're – with Kamaru Usman, you're just putting together whatever – Uh, opponent you can opposite him because this is an extremely dominant champion we can now start to have the discussion about Kamaru Usman and where you know his welterweight reign is going to rank to George St. Pierre's I mean he is putting a hell of an argument uh, attached to this this reign that has been I mean the way he finished Gilbert Burns and now this one it's you know he's building quite an enormous uh, title reign.
1: Absolutely. And he has his own set of accomplishments that George St. Pierre does not have. Um, He's undefeated in the UFC. Uh, That's something that George St. Pierre was not able to accomplish. So uh I think through, as he continues, I, I think he will get closer and closer to that status. And it will be, I'll be watching, I mean, a uh, tremendous fighter, tremendous performance. And yeah, I mean, now the talk is, is he number one pound for pound? It, it's hard to make an argument against that. Yeah, this was a
0: fight that, I mean, much like the Colby Covington fight, this was not one that was won on his wrestling. And that's, of course, the name that I think everyone is going to be going towards is the rematch with, with Colby Covington. So given given those outcomes, like let's say that, um, you know, is, is, is Colby Covington just the automatic choice that you go to uh, given, given the quality of fight that they had in the rematch? Uh, how much does that fight interest you for the next one for Usman?
1: I mean, personally, it doesn't interest me that much compared to uh, the Leon Edwards fight because you know it's been so long, and and it's like you sort of feel bad for Edwards and and what what he, what's gone down. Um, I do agree with you that I think Nate Diaz, if he wins that fight, he he will leapfrog. I mean, if he wants the title fight, it's like whatever he wants, kind of thing. Yeah, he he would he would trump everyone. I think with
0: with with a win, it's yeah, like I I think. Yeah, like, the rules are just totally different for Nate Diaz. And I don't think, like, for Kamaru, that's a horrible fight for Nate Diaz. Just a horrible, horrible fight for him. That mm-hmm. I And for Kamaru Usman, it's extremely, like, of all the options, Nate Diaz would be the one you would be just uh, throwing your arm in the air to volunteer to take.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, get paid, right? Like, that's what it's about while you're on top. Uh just before we move on, anything that surprised you out of Mosfidal in this fight? I thought he came in well-prepared, generally. I mean, just, you know, he was active off the bottom. I thought he did a great job of of controlling the bottom position and then working his way to get back to his feet and separating to end the round. Um, but, of course, you know, he, he was susceptible to that uh, shot throughout the fight because the wrestling of Kamaru is so good and you have to be prepared for that takedown. And uh, so th- that was really the the, the surprising thing. It, it was Kamaru. I, I thought Masvidal looked okay go- going into the second round.
0: Women's strawweight championship fight. It was uh, Zhang Wei uh defending the title against former champion, Rose Nama Yunus and Zhang Wei Li came out and received a lot of booze. Um, and, th- and this, you know, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way that she got such a reaction.
1: Yeah, I mean, the crowd, this started earlier in the night, I think when the first American fighter versus Canadian, they were deep in the USA chants. And then, uh, I, you know, Rose had brought up some issues about her family's history with communism leading up to this fight. So I think that that played a role in that. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't which she, really... she
0: briefly addressed a- afterwards. That's, I think that's she,
1: right. you know,
0: she did bring it
1: up a- after the fact to
0: try and, uh, I-, I think, quell things. Uh, but the fight itself, um, you know, th- this was a fight that I, I thought was the most intriguing of the three championship fights. But it's an early end as Nama Yunus landed this switch kick and it landed flush on the head of Whaley, who goes down. Eight several hammer fists and it's a knockout finish for Rose Nama Yunus at a minute 18 of the opening round. Uh, Whaley was protesting the stoppage, but I, I had no, uh, and I don't think anybody was arguing that this was the right call for referee Keith Peterson to make. And Rose Nama Yunus is the new champion. And this was quite the scene afterwards between uh, Nama Yunus who was in tears uh Joe Rogan was in tears Pat Barry was just Pat Barry for mm-hmm. an extended period of time I mean th- this was the th- this was quite the celebration that uh, Rogan called a magic moment in MMA
1: um yeah I've, a magic mushroom moment for him potentially uh, but uh I I mean it, it was a great moment. I don't mean to shit on it. It, it, uh, it, it. it and it's charming, you know, him crying in there. It it is beautiful, you know, her, you know, her aspirations to be the best, to come back after such a brutal defeat and become champion again. Uh it's it's uh, understandable why he might react that way.
0: Yeah, I mean it was they I I hate when they went and interviewed Zhang Wei Li, who's just like eaten us this, this head kick. Um, but anyway, they did interview her, um, and she just said through her interpreter that she could be back quickly, and she maintained she thought it was an early stoppage, and said she was still conscious. Uh, so th- this is one where I don't think Zhang Wei Li will uh, be too far away. Very young in her career, she will absolutely fight for this championship again, uh, barring you know her career. Uh, going down a path of consecutive losses. But she is such an enormous star, um, especially in China. They were throwing out the social media numbers for for her, and it was astounding um, the -hmm. following that she has been uh, helping cultivate along with the UFC that I would think she is one of those champions that if not an automatic fight is one fight away and she'll be fighting for this championship again.
1: I definitely agree. Uh, It was a bit rough. You know, they tried to build this event around her a little bit, right? They had, I think, uh, three or four other fighters from the region on this card. It wasn't a good night for them either, uh, for the most part, it seemed. Um, But yeah, I think she'll bounce back in a high-profile fight, and uh, it won't take long to put her back in a title fight uh, if she can get a win or two together.
0: Yeah, it's only the second loss of her career. She lost in her very first fight, which was in 2013. Um, Has had 23 fights in that span, which is quite a significant amount. But um, I think, do you look at this? Because she had not fought since that war uh, with Joanna Janjacek. And that was, I think everyone was curious to see like what impact uh, a fight of that magnitude has on you. I don't know if we necessarily got the answer here in a minute and 18 seconds, uh, but Mm -hmm. one that, you know, those are the kinds of fights that you look at and they can sometimes be those fights where a fighter is not the same afterwards, win or lose.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, And I agree that we didn't get a chance to see that uh, answer, that question answered here. Um, So uh, hopefully she can make a speedy recovery and um, we will get a chance to see her uh, back in there soon.
0: And then at weight we've got um well it's it's kind of just open in terms of where they go next um I guess joanna's in the mix, you've got Mackenzie dern who is rising up uh Dana White very high on Mackenzie Dern if you heard some of his interviews uh earlier this week um but that's that's the women's weight division, but this was. Uh, I can't say I was surprised. I was actually favoring Rose Nami Yunus to win this fight, but in the fashion in which she did, it was a, a stunning knockout. And I put you on the spot, Phil. We haven't got the bonuses yet. What? Well, they're not going to name knockout of the night. We'll get performance. But what was
2: the knockout of the night? I would give it to Kamaru
1: Usman. Because, it's a really tough
2: choice to, between the yeah. two. I
0: I lean Usman too. I think that was like an all time knockout. Just the like you yeah. have to look at it not just in terms of like both hold extreme significance with them. They're championship mm-hmm. fights. But for me, I mean, it's it was the visual of the right hand. It was the it was the the quality of opponent as you listed with, with Jorge Masvidal. I mean, significant to knock out someone that has had that amount of fights. Uh, I, I lean towards Usman as well, but it's one where I mean, geez, I'm I, I thought Corey Sandhagen was a lock for knockout of the year this year mm-hmm. with Frankie Edgar, and we got some competition after tonight.
1: Yeah, round of the year as well. Uh, a lot of great stuff on this uh, event. Well, then we go to who I know is your your pound for pound fighter, Valentina Shevchenko. Fighter against dancer. Uh, multilinguist, I mean, uh, marksman. Promo. She might have had the best speech on this whole show with all due respect to
0: anyone else. This was unbelievable. Valentina Shevchenko and Jessica Andraj. So Jessica Andraj, she, uh, she moved to flyweight in her last fight, beating Caitlin Chukagian last October. And that got her the title fight with Shevchenko. And this... (laughs) This was as dominant a fight as Valentina Shevchenko has had, and that covers significant ground. She was able to get the uh, body lock on Andraj and pretty much just throw her down to the canvas whenever she felt like it. She is just taking down Andraj at will. She got five takedowns in the first round. She's drilling her with knees. Uh, I, I went 10-8 in the first round. I know it's kind of borderline, but it was a dominant round. And it was, she had the, the components of what a 10-8 round is, like of damage, domination, and duration. I mean, she checked the boxes for me in this one. And then in the second, it didn't matter what your scorecards were. She just violently takes her down, gets to a crucifix position, and then starts landing punches, elbows. She's cut draws open on the forehead, and the fight gets stopped at 3 minutes and 19 seconds of round number two, uh, making her fifth defense of the championship. And then she tells Joe Rogan, my plan was come into the octagon and destroy my opponent. Sorry, Jessica, but that was my plan. And for all of you looking for weaknesses in me, don't waste your time. There are none. (laughs) This was the most amazing speech afterwards. A perfect (laughs) performance from walkout, performance, finish, Dance promo out. This was flawless, Phil.
1: I I couldn't agree more. I said it uh, myself in the Discord. This is a star, uh, you know, just, you know, how she speaks in the multiple languages, how she has all these incredible skills and, you know, is such an interesting personality outside of the cage. She just seems like such a lovely human being. But when she gets in there, she is an assassin, like almost a literal assassin. It's, uh, it's incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm smitten. Valentina, if you're, if you're listening, DM me in the discord, you know, I can learn to dance a little bit. I got some hip action too. You know, I, I can learn to shoot, you know, give me a call anytime.
0: Uh, an utterly dominant performance by uh, Jessica Andrade. Uh, we look ahead and uh, Lauren Murphy is going to be fighting Joanne Calderwood uh, in June. I guess the winner of that will get the next title fight. And uh, that will produce an opponent for Valentina Shevchenko.
1: I, I'm i okay with that right now. I'm okay with her, you know, sir, the UFC kind of putting her up and, you know, the, putting her in there with like a murder, like, She's the murderer's row, just like lining them up for her for a while. But eventually, yeah, they're going to need to figure out something to give her a real challenge. Maybe that's another fight. I think Brett Okamoto suggested.
0: I think it was Brett Okamoto that suggested cancel Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calderwood. Let them both fight Valentina Shevchenko. <laughs> and I don't think Lauren Murphy was amused when she saw that. Oh, but listen, my. listen, this is like, listen, no murphy or during joanne calderwood but it is um like the we say this after every valentina shevchenko fight and there will come a day when she is going to be you know no one stays at this level forever but Mm -hmm. there's no slowing down evident and until i see it with my eyes i'm not picking anyone to Valentina shevchenko
1: john don't waste your time Don't waste your time looking for a weakness because there aren't. I
0: I was going for Amanda Nunez to pop up and just be like, you know, (laughs) I still exist in this world, Valentina. So if I ever feel like coming down the 125 to say hello, (laughs) three-division champion Amanda Nunez, but I don't think that one's going to be happening.
1: It could happen again at 135. It's not out of the question, right? Because they did it before. I think that's honestly
0: like that fight at some point they're going to revisit. I, I'm not, I look at Valentina Shevchenko and she is hands down the best 125 er in the world. And I don't think like a rematch with Amanda Nunez, like her giving up that size. Like, I don't think the third fight is going to be much different than the second one, which I mean, followed the first one. Um, yeah. It's it's a fight that I think you could promote it, and it's the biggest fight you can do for these two because it's not like either have a ton of contenders. But I don't know. It's like it's not super appealing to me either because I don't think it's the weight class that benefits Shevchenko, and it's an opponent that I think we we've gotten the answer to that question.
1: Yeah, it, it it's. I mean, enough time has passed. Nunez is better. I largely agree. I mean, it doesn't, it's not the most intriguing fight out there, but it's, it's, it's kind of the only one I can conceive of that's a challenge for either lady, really.
3: Yeah,
0: it is. And it's, if you made that fight tomorrow, people would be stoked to see it again because it's a, like you watch a performance like this from Valentina Shevchenko, you can sell a third fight. That's not the question. It's, um, Yeah, it's like, I'm sure they're going to revisit it at at some point. All right, let's get into, uh, man, the uh, awful injury to Chris Weidman, which thankfully uh, we will not have any footage of this. So it's Uriah Hall and Chris Weidman. It's a rematch from September of 2010 when they were rising middleweights at the age of 27 each fighting for Ring of Combat. On that night, it was Chris Weidman winning The middleweight championship handing Uriah Hall his first loss. Well, here we are, 10 plus years later. This fight, uh, it's over practically as soon as it begins. Weidman throws a leg kick and his leg just snaps and he goes down. Everyone is in shock at, first of all, how graphic this injury is. It's horrifying. Uh, I would advise. Don't go watch this. This is a visual you don't need in the back of your mind that will forever haunt you. Um, but in the UFC's history, there have been three leg injuries of this nature with Chris Weidman involved in two of them. You had Corey Hill, which to this day frightens me when I think about it. Then, of course, it was uh, UFC 168 with Anderson Silva and Chris Weidman, and now this. I mean, shocking! Just that those odds, but I mean, my God, they they replayed this, and then what was just I could not fathom. This Phil was Chris Weidman is taken out on a stretcher. He is in un unimaginable pain, and Dana White sends out a tweet with the replay. The first fighter in UFC history to win without a single strike throwing. That's the line. Yeah. How How does that tweet? I don't whether it was Dana that tweeted that out or someone how that gets tweeted out is just beyond just shocking to me. The worst taste possible. And I just I can't imagine uh, Chris Weidman in a hospital and then seeing that that was the tweet immediately that we are sending out.
1: Absolutely, and and also uh, uh, an insult to Uriah Hall as well. Like, like, uh, oh, and he was—you could
0: see—he was just devastated in the ring by this. I thought kind of unfair to put him on the spot where they interviewed him, but he gave such a classy speech, uh, wishing Weidman well, talking about their their history together, going back to that first fight and what he learned from that loss, and even tying it in that Weidman was. know the first person in the UFC to beat Anderson Silva Uriah Hall was the last one and you know you could see he was you know just I I thought it was an incredibly classy speech at a you know very very tough moment as as well but where you're you're watching this it was just a horrifying like one of the most horrific injuries you've ever seen in a in in the sport I would say like it was awful to see
1: uh I yeah it was awful it was uh all as gruesome as you described and worse so uh yeah no I would not recommend people go check that out um I thought Uriah Hall uh as you said handled it tremendously uh, not just in the post fight speech but even just his demeanor throughout uh you know the mm-hmm. process of getting uh Weidman, uh together um it, he you know, obviously he was shook up by it, uh, devastated potentially, but he, he really handled it like a professional and, and, uh, Cormier, you know, made a point to talk about his maturation through his career. And I think for him to come up and, and and recall that history on the spot in such a thoughtful and honest way does demonstrate where he's at in his career. And just unfortunate, I mean, that's so putting it mildly. Like I hate to use that word. It's like, it's, it's it's devastating, horrible for his family, horrible for Uriah Hall as well. Um, it, yeah, it really sucks.
0: Yeah. I would think it's, you know, you look at, at Chris Weidman, he is uh, 36 years old. Uh, Megan O'Levy noted at the end of the broadcast that he's going for surgery on Sunday. Um, and that he was at least, uh, stable. Um, but, you know when Anderson suffered that injury. I mean, he was out for over a year. Uh, you definitely have to look at at Chris Weidman like such a significant injury. What impact this is going to have on his career? Not only the 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 road ahead from a physical standpoint, but Phil, for a fighter to have an injury like that, it's like mentally, it's to me that that's an enormous hurdle to be able to overcome. To you're going to have that that image uh, every time you throw a kick. And that to me is, God, it's just, it's a devastating injury on, on numerous fronts.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, even if you recall uh, when Anderson returned from his first, uh, from that injury, uh, he, I mean, he was very cautious in uh, the comeback fight that was against Nick Diaz, I believe, uh, you know, his, and then, uh, he also tested positive for steroids in that fight, which is something that had never happened in his career before. So, uh, you know, something about the mentality and, you know, confidence required to go in there. There may be something to be said about it.
0: So uh, we wish uh, as as speedy a recovery as possible for Chris Weidman, but that's going to be, uh, you know, a, a long road ahead for him. And then the fight, the pay-per-view opened up with, with another bizarre end. This was between Anthony Smith And Jimmy Crute and Smith was just showcasing his jab, which was uh, working tremendously well for him. And he lands a kick to the knee of Crute, and he collapses. But then just gets a takedown on Smith, and you can see he cannot put any weight onto onto this leg. But he gets a second takedown, and it just seemed like that was his only strategy. And then he's got to go to the corner. And this guy cannot even walk properly. Like there was, I couldn't believe that this was not immediately waved off. There was like this gap where it was like, are we even debating? Like this guy cannot even put weight on this. It was nuts. But the fight was waved off after the first round. And Kroot just said, well, I was just going to pull guard in the second round because (laughs) I couldn't stand on the injured leg. Dude, this dude was the perfect example of, Fighters that, listen, a- as tough as you could possibly imagine, but need safeguards in place to save them from themselves. Because this dude was going to fight two more rounds. No problem. One leg, I'm good. It was like he was ready to go. And it was, you you could not even, like, just, this looked brutal as his leg is just flopping all over the place.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> the. I mean, if they had let it go on, he still might have been able to get a takedown. I mean, the way he was uh, determined on I the bull rush he got the first, the, like the two
0: of them. Yeah, that's was. right. It I was mean... it
1: was two. It was two takedowns. Um, and uh, at first, so about the fight proceeding. So at first, uh, when. You know, the doc, it looked like he was getting some feeling back in the leg and he was maybe recovering a little bit. And then the doctor was asking him to like, you know, do some little maneuvers. And I had actually missed that he rolled on the leg at the end of it. And so I was like, why'd they stop the fight? But then when I saw that, it's like, yeah, obviously, uh, if he can't follow the doctor's instructions, the, the, the fight should not continue um but i i thought it was okay to give him a chance to at least end the the break in between rounds you know can you continue follow these steps no okay then it's over um but yeah he would have gone on and yeah you need rules to stop people like himself or dominic cruz who'll, who'll just go to the death
0: and uh yeah that was also noted at the end of the broadcast uh with, with Megan O'Leary doing this this update that Jimmy Crute, I guess he's going for uh, tests on on uh, sometime after the fight. That I guess they don't know exactly right now what uh, the state of this was because, you know, they were theorizing on the broadcast, like, was this uh, like a nerve issue? I mean, it could have been like, you know, you're watching it and your immediate thought is like, the guy's torn his ACL or something, but it could have been a nerve issue as well. So hopefully we'll get some clarity on the, um state of his injury and hopefully it's not it's not too bad because visually i mean it just looked like his knee was destroyed
1: yeah it it, it looked really bad um but historically these sort of things they, they tend to be like sort of temporary i mean that was the case uh with michael chandler that was the um, one yeah
0: with brett premise yeah
1: yeah and then even you know when this happened to cejudo uh, he was able to recover in his fight with DJ in that case. And, and there was another instance of this. I mean, Conor McGregor, right? He The same thing kind of happened to him. Uh, and uh, he's booked for a fight soon. So um, hopefully it isn't uh, a, a bad injury. And uh, yeah, he can get back in there. And Anthony Smith, you know, uh, spring chicken, 32 years old, 50 fights deep, but, uh, you know, still got some tools in the toolbox and some learning to do.
0: So there was also this, this incident in between the main card and the prelims uh, because Jake Paul showed up, Phil. And this, the chance of fuck Jake Paul were mm-hmm. uh, throughout the broadcast. You could, uh, like this audience was just on Jake Paul for the whole time. I thought from Jake Paul's perspective, it was brilliant to show up at this show. He felt like he was he felt like he was the biggest star there. And they actually did show him on the broadcast, on the pay-per-view portion, which I was surprised by. I thought they were not going to give him any screen time on this. But the incident that occurred was that after the prelims ended, Daniel Cormier went up to him and video did circulate and they kind of just exchanged words. And then Cormier went back to the booth and did his pay-per-view opening with Anik and Rogan. But this, um, you know, Jake Paul was, I mean, his his presence was felt throughout uh, most of the show from the time he showed up um, through the Oliveira
1: Randy Brown fight uh, throughout the pay-per-view. And, and uh, I mean, Cormier also brought it on air. I don't know if you, I guess you missed that as well. Then uh, there was a point when, you know, the set, you know, he actually, he addresses Jake directly on the air and says, you know, don't mess around with me. I will go over there and slap you. Is like that, that was during lo- the Oliveira Brown fight, right? Okay, so yeah, I, mean, I, I think that was when it was. Yeah, but it was like yeah. it was on the broadcast, so it wasn't just something that uh, you know somebody captured on social media. So um, just look at the uh, the prelims here. So
0: Randy Brown defeated Alex Oliveira. Um, this is crazy. This did not get Randy Brown. A performance of the night bonus, but he won with a <laughs> one armed rear naked choke. I mean, this this was uh, masterful, and this was after he dropped them with this beautiful right hand. Uh, but th- this was a spectacular submission with a, a one arm fill.
1: John, my jujitsu claim to fame, my only competition submission victory. Is a one arm rear naked choke.
0: Oh, get out of here!
1: No, well, then not it's not gonna... that
0: impressive if Randy Brown pulled <laughs> it off. I mean, you are the originator. Then
1: his is actually more impressive, and I'll tell you why. Because the way I finished it is, I would come and I'd actually get my the hand behind my uh, neck, and then you turn in, and that squeezes. He didn't even have that. He just like he just used all his arm strength, and so and you know a lot of torque on the body very impressive incredible submission i mean against uh, you know a very game opponent um
0: so tell me when 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 you're going
1: for this what what is the
0: job of your other arm that you're are you just trying to like kind of harness the the your opponent's arm and then just you know use strength with like the left arm for instance
1: well so typically, you know, you go for a rear naked choke and you use both arms, right? You'll cross and then you squeeze them together. Uh a lot of people will defend the top this arm. They'll they'll do put like two hands on one on that. So it prevents you. Really, you want to address this arm first, right? Most people that's good enough, but it is this arm that you want to address. So while they're two on one on that arm, I just sneak behind my neck like this. And turn and and not a lot. Not everybody can do it. It's it, it's it's sort of like it just has to work you for your body. Gi- this was a no gi match.
0: It was a no gi. I'm I'm very impressed. Like I would think, like the gi, like you get the arm around, and it's like you've got something to actually hold on to. Whereas you know, in, in this case, like he didn't even have that. I mean, and to pull it off at like this level, uh I, I was in awe of this. This was this was an incredible submission.
1: Yes, yes, yes. The 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 level of competition should be duly noted when comparing. <laughs> <laughs> no, Phil, Phil, don't don't
0: ever downgrade. I am I'm very impressed with this off. Uh and then the rest of the prelims here. Uh Dwight Grant defeated Stefan Sekulich by split decision. Um I had scored this fight for uh Sekulich with uh I had scored round 1 for him, round 2 for Grant. Uh the third round I think I was uh, in the minority here. I thought it was enough for a 10-8 based on that. He dropped him at the end, and he had this guy deep with a guillotine. And it looked like this this fight was over when he was saved by the horn.
1: Uh, Yeah, it it was very deep. It was was really impressive for him to go after it so hard at the end uh, on a fight that I had him actually winning all three rounds. Um, But, uh, yeah, it, it was really tough amazing job to dig it out like that almost had the finish i didn't i didn't have it as a 10-8 but i i i can't complain about that uh brendan allen
0: defeated carl uh roberson this came uh, first of all which which back tattoo would you go with phil would you go with uh roberson's blessed or allen's allen on the back
1: Oh, Allen's Allen. The, the 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 Discord knows me very well. I would I wouldn't just get Allen. I would get Alan's Allen as my whole tattoo. Would you, would you ever get chair talk in block
0: letters across <laughs> your back?
1: Only in that graphic font from the like Affliction era?
0: Yeah. With like a a snake climbing through a skull <laughs> for the uh for the H maybe. Um so anyway, what happens here? Allen's in half guard and roberson goes to scramble and he's going for the leg for like a heel hook but in moving Allen gets his own heel hook and submits roberson with five seconds to go in the first round so a a heel hook submission which i mean i'm sorry brendan but take take a
1: number not the most impressive finish of the night (laughs) uh so uh Horrible move by Roberson here. Like one of the. Oh, yeah. Like if he didn't
0: scramble, he was, he was going to ride out the round. I mean, he wasn't winning the the round, but he just, he opened himself up with seconds to go. And it was just so, like he looked (laughs) to have in mind a heel hook and then he gets caught with one.
1: Well, I mean that 's the thing with with leg locks. You set yourself up to be a victim of a leg lock and you 're going up against a guy who's who's better on the ground than you, so you use it to create a scramble and then you go, but you don't chase it and you chase it and At one point, I actually don't think that I know the officially called it, and even Rogan said it i don 't think it was actually a heel hook because he's he 's got the heel he 's turning into it, and then at some point he goes over top of the ankle. And then pulls back. So I think it's a straight oh, so ankle lock. Be an ankle lock. I, okay. That's what I think. So I, I do hope that there's somebody out there. Uh, another jujitsu uh, mind who can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But I do think it's an ankle lock. Even though the uh, record reads otherwise.
0: And then the opener on television was uh, Pat Sabatini defeating Canadian Tristan Connolly. By unanimous decision. 30 28 29-28. Uh, I scored it 29-27 for Sabatini. I went uh, first two rounds for Sabatini. The second round was a pretty dominant one for him. Uh, but I thought Connolly did enough to squeak by in the third round. So I didn't give him uh, the third round. Sabatini gets the unanimous decision. And this was his UFC debut. And I thought uh, a good outing for him.
1: Yeah, good outing against a much uh, larger opponent. Um, I scored it the same way, except I did give round two ten eight 8 to Sabatini in that one. So, uh, slight discrepancy between the two of us.
0: And did you watch any of the early prelims? I did not.
1: Oh, I, I did watch them. I mean, they were, I mean, this, the card started off with a bang. I mean, right away. Like I I would recommend people go back and watch these. I think there was one fight on here that wasn't, uh, that great. Was it, uh, no, 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 these were all pretty good. I I think, uh, people can go back and watch uh... these happily. Yeah.
0: D- Dana uh Bat-Guriel defeated uh, Kevin Notvedad by TKO at 50 seconds of the first round. Uh then we had Kazula Vargas over Rongju by unanimous decision. Jeff Molina over uh I hope I'm getting this right, Oichi Wang by unanimous decision and this got fight
1: of the night. Yeah man, like, the 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 fighters came out hot, the crowd came out hot. Uh everybody delivered uh tonight um even the gods with some cruelty uh bizarreness uh but uh yeah the action started heavy right away um the very first fight was uh Ariani
0: carnalosi over na leong by t k o one twenty eight of round two, so we got um that was the Jeff Molina fight was Fight of the Night, and then your performance of the night bonuses shockingly went to Kamara Usman and Rose Nami Yunus and poor Randy Brown
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: even Shevchenko as well. I mean, there were some unbelievable performances here uh this was i mean I feel uh bad saying this was like a great card when that that weidman injury was just so horrific to watch but. Uh, this really that's, was a spectacular show.
1: I mean, that, that's, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, the, it's kind of this thing that you can't uh, forget about when it comes to this event. But it's also some, another part of it that makes it uh, incredibly memorable. And as we said at the top of the show, uh, we, I think we both think that this will be one of the most remembered cards um, in history.
0: Okay, but the greatest stat of all coming from uh, Andreas Hale. The main card of UFC 261 is the shortest in UFC history with 19 minutes and 56 seconds of cage time. The second shortest, UFC 92, which was um, December 2008. It was uh, Frank Mir, Rodrigo Nogueira. It was Rashad Evans, Forrest Griffin was on that card and Quentin Jackson, Vanderlei Silva. Those were like the three main fights on, on that UFC 92 card.
1: Uh, wow. 13 years later, we finally get uh, some reprieve from the late nights. And it destroyed it by like 11 minutes. Uh, I mean, another record that will be tough to beat, uh, unfortunately, but let's do it. UFC fighters. I believe in you. I know you can. Let's try. All right. Do We uh, want to take some phone calls. Yeah, for sure. All right. As uh, we often do, uh, we're going to start off. uh, So we actually have more people uh, than I can recall. So hopefully we can get to everybody. But uh, I usually start with John Fury, 316. John Fury, if you want to uh, tell us, uh, give us what's the bottom line on uh, UFC 261.
2: You know, it was a good pay-per-view. Not going to lie, I'm disappointed because I really wanted... I really thought Jorge Mazadal was going to win. I was cheering for him. I like him, but much respect to Kamaru Usman. Uh, I thought Rose... I think she's probably, like, third-best woman on the roster after Valentin Chichenko, who just totally dominated. I think that was a statement, like, I'm ready for Nunes' rematch. But I want to talk about Kamar Usman. Uh... Do you think he needs to change divisions at this point? Because after he beats, if he fights Kobe and then Leon, there's really nothing left for him but rematches or matches that I don't think will even headline UFC pay-per-views. Do you think he will, do you think he needs to change divisions just to give himself maybe a challenge and to make more money? Because I fear he'll fall into that Demetrius Johnson situation where we don't even talk about him sometimes as one of the greatest because he really just fought the next guy up and the next guy up wasn't really good. I just want to what you guys think.
1: All right. Thank you for the question, John uh, and John, what do you think about that?
2: I,
0: I hate the idea that we have a dominant champion and they have to like handicap themselves by going to another weight class. Like he is the top welterweight in the world. And I would push back on like the, like, look at the guys that he has fought so far, like Covington, Burns. He has a win over Leon Edwards. He has two over Mosfidal. I mean, he's beating like world class opponents. Um, you know, you, I, I do believe like this is a division that it is going to, uh, replenish itself. You will have new contenders, but I, I look at Usman as well. Like he to me has, I, I could see him going up to middleweight um some point at some point in in his career but I would only do that if it was you know something where it was advantageous for him like I I don't know if it's necessarily um you know moving up to to middleweight when you're such a dominant champion like it was the same with, with like George where it was like he was so dominant at welterweight well let's let's move up to a division that is going to be it's almost like you have to handicap him when you're watching this guy excel in this weight class. He is like the best welterweight. So I'm not, I'm not crazy about him leaving the the division, but I don't rule it out either.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I'm largely with you. I'm not crazy about, uh, fighters moving up. I like dominant champions defending their belt. Um, and I do think by the time, you know, if he's able to defend against Covington again, and, and, uh, Leon Edwards finally gets that fight. I, I think other people will emerge. I mean, Wonder Boy is an option out there. That's a really interesting one, actually. Um, so, and I'd, I, like, you know, I'd like to
0: see that fight. I, I hope that one does materialize. I think that's an interesting one. Another aspect is that in this era on ESPN Plus, you know, the the pay per view numbers are not coming out the way they were in the prior era. So you don't even have like if if a guy is like a average selling you know champion we're probably not going to be privy to those numbers unless uh disney or ufc releases them and we've seen like so far two years into this espn deal like the numbers that come out are the gigantic ones and others are less so so i don't think you're like a card that's going to do say you know and to be honest like Usman, like they did tremendous back in July, which I mean, it had three championship fights. Uh, but this one, like I think you have to give Usman and Mosvidal a lot of the credit on, on this one, along with just the nature of it being the first card back with fans. I think those were your biggest kind of drawing components. But I sense this show doing very good business.
1: It definitely seems like that. The activity on, uh, you know, Discord and, and just generally social media, people were really excited about it. I mean, Mazvidal is an established star, a huge star in this sport. Um, he already fought uh, Usman last year, so Usman got the rub there. Usman had a spectacular finish since then, so um, he, he's building himself up. You know, you can't really say he's a boring fighter anymore. I mean, after finishes, back-to-back finishes like like that, you know? I mean, even if that was a criticism, which isn't usually something that I go to, but if it's out there, how can you say that now? All right. Uh, How about we take a call from Down Under. Dickie, you're on the line. How are you doing? What would you think of uh, UFC 261?
3: G'day, guys. How's it going?
1: We're doing pretty good, what do you think about the fights?
3: Well, before I talk about the fights, I just want to give a bit of a shout out because I saw some uh new swanky graphics on this show some uh three d transitions that uh shout out to Phil Chertok uh stepping it up a little bit uh very nice John, you probably didn't see them, but go back and watch them very nice, very nice stuff all right thank um, you um. Uh, So I promised Phil that I would call into the show uh, because we had uh, a lot of uh, brouhaha about uh, uh, Jimmy Crute and Anthony Smith. And I said, uh, Jimmy Crute wasn't going to win and Anthony Smith, it it was too early for him, blah, 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 blah. Obviously the end result wasn't quite, you know, a, a definitive ending, right? So, I, I I kept my promise. I'm here calling in, um, but obviously it's not because Anthony Smith destroyed him or anything. Uh, but the question that I actually have is: from what you saw, and it was a very small amount, what what did you think about Jimmy Crute, who is ranked number fifteen against a uh, ranked number seven guy? Um, was he out of his element? Did you see that he? potentially without the nerve damage sprained ankle whatever it was was he doing well or was this anthony smith's fight
1: thank you very much um, for the if, uh great question dicky
3: yes
0: yes thank you for the call I, I mean i thought that it was you know it was t- to me like like the jabs were piling up before the the, the shot to the knee um but i mean that's it's not uncommon that, you know, you can have a bad first round and things change dramatically in the, in the, in the second round. Um, I I think Jimmy Crude, he's a, he's a quality fighter. And I think this is one where um, I don't discount um, this victory though, for Anthony Smith. I mean, he, he did the same, he did that damage to him. I mean, it was, it was like with Tyron Woodley and Carlos Condon. It's like, you can say whatever you want, but it was like that damage wasn't, by tyron woodley and deserves the credit for that win but i don't i don't think you write off uh jimmy croup by this by any stretch in fact i I think a lot of people were probably uh impressed with his toughness and we'll see what he gets next
1: i mean hey maybe he should start chasing some takedowns because it seems like he can get them well there you go he did have
0: his wrestling game with one leg on that that was very impressive
1: all right. So thank you very much Dicky. We now go to our man Neil Flanagan. Neil, how are you doing?
4: Oh, geez, guys. I I didn't really know I was going to be called on. I was just watching the show in the Discord, but Okay. Um, okay. Uh, well, <laughs> John will know that I'm not um a connoisseur of MMA in general or UFC specifically, but but here um, you are at
0: six thirty in the morning, calling into our show—a uh, true, true follower and
4: and supporter, Neil. Indeed, as always, i always will be, John, for life, as they say. But it, <laughs> it was um, <laughs> no, it was really the Discord that kept me going tonight because you know it was in great company with the likes of Dickie, Brandon from New Jersey, uh, Eric, um, Phil, everyone. You know, and I'm going to miss peop- miss out people. But, um, what a party, yeah. It really, it really is Mike Hogan. Sorry, yes, Mike. Um, and um, it, uh, they helped to k- sort of keep me a little bit educated on what's going on. And, um, I- I'm getting more interested in the sport, you know, just from reading your columns, John, and from uh, these podcasts and from the primers that you do, and all of that. So it was a terrifically entertaining night, even if I'm not the best person to comment on the, uh, the finesse of it all but uh yeah thoroughly enjoyable and i was glad that uh it, it rattled along at a, at a at a pretty nice pace even if uh, it was at the expense of some absolutely heinous uh scenes so i'll just say that and let you get on with some people who know what they're talking about
0: Well well thanks very much Neil. We we appreciate you calling in and and participating on the discord. What, what what was the uh the scene like tonight Phil? It was it was busy?
1: It was extremely busy. I mean it was there was uh just as many people in the voice chat as we've ever had. Um, the actual uh MMA text channel was bumping. We had more votes I think than ever before. In fact, I forgot to check the leaderboard to see uh Scott and Eric on top of all of us. Um, yeah, it was a great time. I recommend everybody go uh, to the Discord, com slash Discord. Phil, we're going to be back in a couple of
0: weeks. We've got UFC 262 in three weeks' time going to Houston. For another packed crowd. Yes, another sold-out crowd. Uh, we have Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler, Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz. Uh, what else? Tony Ferguson, Benil Dariush is on this card. Jacare is fighting. Um, Lando Venata's on the card. Antonina Shevchenko. So can she outdo the performance of her sister of three weeks earlier? But this is uh Shane Burgos against Edson Barbosa. Those yeah, that's very a, good that's, fights on That's this a card. really
1: good fight. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the UFC uh, you know, they're they're coming back strong for these live events, these big pay-per-views. And uh, yeah, Houston is uh, no exception. All right. Any
0: fights uh, coming up in the uh, next couple of weeks that really have your interest? You have Dominic Reyes, Yuri Prohaska next weekend, and then the return of TJ Dillashaw in two weeks against Corey Sanhagen.
1: Yeah, that's a huge fight. I think that's the one that uh, a lot of people are interested in. Uh, seeing where TJ Dillashaw is at, I was kind of surprised he wasn't booked even earlier because he was ed- eligible um, earlier in the year. Right. But uh, but I think you know maybe we're playing, waiting for certain things to play out. Uh, Sandhagen's called him out and uh yeah I think it's going to be a really exciting fight. All right everybody,
0: well thank you to everybody that uh joined Phil and everybody in the Discord chat all night long. It is it is popping not just on UFC Nights. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Phil has created a, a whole a whole um city of post wrestling <laughs> that's out there. These these images are just
1: uh <laughs> striking. I mean, uh, I wouldn't go so far as to I've created an entire city, but yeah, we have a little virtual world, this virtual Grand Theft Auto world where, uh, if you join the Discord, you can get access to and you can run around Po Santos, uh, and, uh, uh, wreak havoc. And, uh, yeah, we just have a lot of fun in the Discord. It's a great place to hang out, uh, during live events, um, and, and just chill with good people, talk about fights, share some wacky gifts. And have a great time. You
0: can all join the Discord. Just go to uh,
1: postwrestling.com slash Discord. Is that the easiest place to go? That is the easiest place to go. But we should probably mention one more thing, John, Because we're actually going to be back before the next UFC pay-per-view.
0: Yes. Uh, A week from Tuesday. The next edition of Rewind Away. This is going to be an MMA-centric Rewind Away. Meaning Wei Ting is going to be taking the show off. So... On Tuesday, May the 4th, it's going to be myself along with Phil Chertok and Eric Marcotte as we are going to be reviewing Affliction Band from July 2008. Starring Fedor Emelianenko as he takes on former UFC heavyweight champion Tim Sylvia. But the real main event, Megadeth on pay-per-view.
1: Oh, man, yes. An entire symphony of destruction uh, is awaiting us uh, uh, for the post patrons. So uh, if you haven't been to the post wrestling cafe and signed up uh, and subscribed, then you need to do that because that's the only way you're going to get access to this incredible review. Also uh, what? 11 years ago. Is that what you said? Or longer? I, I, my math's messed up. 13,
0: 2008 13, almost. Yeah. yeah. So
1: that's the same amount of time since that other quickest UFC card, right? That was in 2008 as well. You said
0: that's right. That was in 2008.
1: A weird apart. kismet. It's like the, you know, it's like how Weidman gave it to 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 Silva and then he took it from Hall. Here we are on these weird bookends uh, for this Affliction card.
0: Well, and as the callers proved, uh, the event Affliction banned uh, literally a sleeper pick.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can
0: check all of that out tuesday may the 4th with eric phil and myself uh that will be dropping for post wrestling cafe members you can join at postwrestlingcafe.com and we will be back uh Wayne and i will be back on monday night we'll also have coverage sunday night of impact's rebellion pay-per-view uh, with davy portman and john Cena having a review of that card and that's going to wrap it up so go check out the discord go follow phil he's just uh dominating all of the post-wrestling online chatter so uh that that is your your homework everybody <laughs> join the discord if you're not already living and thriving in the virtual world as you can virtually hang out with phil
1: thank you very much john thank you to all the people and uh we shall uh see you soon good night Peace.